Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, January the 14th, 2021. Thank you for tuning in to the Mike Abadir Show. The co-host, Gino Bacola, here along with the main man, Mike Abadir. Mike, uh, can you believe we are here now after the first ever Super Wildcard Weekend? Which, personally, I loved the format. I loved the three games throughout the day where you had one after the next after the next. I thought it was good. A couple games that were downers, but hey, I thought it was a really good uh, expanded playoff format, and I I'm pumped for what is generally considered the best weekend of football of the year coming up this weekend with the divisional round. Yeah, that was fantastic last weekend, man. I, I had a, a great time watching these games and kind of reminded me of one of the things I really love about the baseball playoff format in recent years where you have those triple headers in consecutive days. Well, in baseball, they could do it for a week straight. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that. Like you said, some of the games were a little more exciting than the other ones. Um, you know, we'll get into some details with our first guest in a moment here, but for me, uh, just a quick couple things to highlight. Um, Washington played out of their ass, especially that quarterback. A lot of people learned who Taylor Heineke is. Yeah. They were introduced to Taylor Heineke. He, he might've earned himself uh, a job down the line, you know, uh, either as just for years to come as, as even a backup, if he doesn't make it. Oh yeah. Have you seen how much uh, he's been shuffled around? I mean, he's, He's played for a lot of teams um, and hasn't really seen the field. So uh, I think he's only gotten in game action twice. And one of them is in the NFL playoffs at the highest level. So good for him. Huge disappointment, by the way, in the Seattle Seahawks. We'll probably get a little bit more into that as the show goes on. But very disappointing. Where did that offense go? You know, that's kind of one of the things that uh, really surprised me, to be honest with you. And then in the uh, Sunday games, it, it pretty much, to me at least, went as I, I thought those are actually that's the day I gave out two games and, and both of them kind of came in pretty much how, how I thought they would play out but look out for the Saints defense you know I know they only played the Bears but they're they're the only team that yielded under 10 points so um, I, I, and I we all aided, know that they, they did score get aided by a drop I will say they, they're they're awesome the Saints D is awesome they uh, I will say they did get aided by a, a drop as soon as as soon as the guy, uh, the receiver from Chicago, dropped that touchdown in in the early part of the game, you could have just stopped the game right then, because when you're an underdog like that, you need to do what Cleveland did. You need to take advantage of all the opportunities that you get and score. And you cannot drop a wide open touchdown that would have given you. And then, of course, they end up not scoring at all on that drive. It's not even like you got a three or you scored a touchdown later. It's like when something like that happens against a good team like New Orleans, you're just done. You have absolutely absolutely no chance. There's no doubt about it. Now, once again, I still have uh, the same criticism about the Saints come playoff time, which is, you know, they move the ball and they look dominant. But somehow these games end up being a little bit closer than they should be. They or sometimes they end up being losses. Yeah, but this like one had feel- a different feel to it, though, because yeah. of their ball control. That was the big difference from, from the years before. So we'll get into all these things. Let's get right to it, man. We got our first guest on the line, Ryan Roberts. 
You all know him. If you listen to us, he is with the NFL Draft Bible. Probably, hopefully, breaking some news with us tonight regarding a new relationship. Uh, Ryan, how are you? You're on with Mike and Gino. Hey, Mike. Hey, Gino. How are you guys doing, hey. man? I've been a little bit. I've uh, been, been good, you know, just trying to stay busy and doing everything I am. So uh, appreciate you guys ha- taking some time to have me on again now. Absolutely. Now, hey, before we break down all the games, I am very curious as to what what this big announcement. Are you able to, you know, unveil what's coming up for the NFL Draft Bible? And uh, I don't know if it's a merger, if it's a partnership, if it's a relationship. Can you even talk about it just yet? Yes. Yeah. I got I got the green light uh, earlier to talk about yes. it. So, all right. Um, yeah, so you guys are the first one that I'm going like really public with it. So it's it's really exciting to to uh, be able to kind of put it out there here. So uh, kind of what we've been doing behind the scenes is um, NFL Draft Bible. Uh, we we merged uh, a few weeks ago with uh, the Dynasty Draft Room and kind of created a really awesome group. Um, you know, of, of draft evaluators and Debbie writers and fantasy writers and all these great content producers. And we we that that um that relationship was made because we had been preparing for this for a while. We are going to be the main source of NFL draft um, content for sports illustrated. So we are going to be making this jump. Yeah. We're going to be making this jump. We're going to be making this move. Um, I appreciate it so much. So it sounds like next week uh, sometime is probably the official launch date. And uh, yeah, we'll, We'll be on there just in time for draft season and, and getting out some great content. So we're all really pumped over here. Outstanding, man. Congratulations. You guys deserve it. Rick deserves it. The whole Appreciate team it. is fantastic. And uh, I'm, I've been utilizing the platform for many, many years. And uh, now I get to uh, see it grow to kind of a national institution really when you're talking about sports and sports media and sports illustrated has been around forever obviously we're not in the day and age anymore where people uh you know have magazine subscriptions or it's not commonplace at least but i got stacks of of sports illustrated from over the years and uh, just to think that you guys are going to be a part of that is really really special so uh just a quick question about that and then we'll kind of turn our focus to football so sure is the are they going to have a portal then when people want to look at their favorite college player and, and kind of how he ranks in his position for the upcoming NFL draft? It, it will basically transition out of their site to your site, or have you guys figured out those kind of details yet? Yeah, yeah. So um, so how it's going to work is basically the, um, the NFL draft entity that was on Sports Illustrated already, which was – uh, SI.com backslash NFL backslash draft. Basically, we're taking over that that spot in the site. So it's going to be the same uh, platform that it was. It's just going to be all NFL, um, NFL Draft Bible now. So all of our content that we had on NFL Draft Bible page, all the content that we had on the, the Dynasty Draft Room page, we're kind of merging everything together and transferring it over to that, that SI page. Um, and then as soon as we're live, you'll be able to access all the daily content. And then, of course, we'll have our scouting reports that will be available for the subscription basis and podcasts and, and all this type of stuff. So we're bringing everything over to, I believe it's going to be si.com backslash NFL backslash draft. Outstanding, man. You know, Gino, let me tell you something. Uh, when, when it was fashionable to get magazines delivered to your home, 
my parents gave me a choice. I was really bugging them for a long time, probably for like two years. And my mom was always like, magazines pile up and creates a lot of garbage. And I'm like, no, no, these are collector's items. I want to keep them. So I was bugging and bugging and bugging. And I'm like, all right. She's like, finally agreed. What do you want? I'm like, I want Beckett Baseball Price Guide. And I want Sports Illustrated. (laughs) And she was like, first of all, you're only getting one. I thought about it. And I'm like, you know, Beckett comes out once a month. Sports Illustrated comes out every week. I'll take the one that comes out every week because it's more of them. You know, when you're a kid, you're like, just more sounds better. You and get so the cards in the middle. Some of them that have the <laughs> the cards that cut you can that fold out. And yep. actually, some of those. It's funny. Some of those cards, like one of those Durant cards, apparently, like a, a rookie one, sold for a ridiculous amount of money because it became very limited. Because I guess one of the certain magazines like didn't go into print. Total tangent, but it's funny. I remember all those things. Like we all loved that growing up. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So this is this is really exciting, and it's exciting that you're breaking it breaking it down for us and, and br- giving us breaking news on, on this show. So uh, thank you. And we'll definitely get the word out and, you know, keep plugging away, man. You guys are doing a great job, Ryan. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. And it, it's, it's really funny just hearing you guys kind of reliving your sports illustrated memories. Like I had kind of the similar ones when I was younger and it, it was funny. I told my, um, I told my mother-in-law, you know, that we were going to be on Sports Illustrated. And she was like, isn't that just swimsuit stuff? I'm like, no, no, it's not just swimsuit stuff. There's, you know, there's articles and stuff. So That's funny because that's always that was always the issue, by the way, that I went, made sure to get to the mailbox before my mom saw it, my mom and dad saw it. I'm like, I don't want them to even see it. I was like embarrassed, you know, your kid or whatever. And I'm like, I want to see boobies, you know. But uh, no, that's, that's, that's really funny, man. So, I, you know, I'll tell you what, if you're uh, – a male, well, male or female, I suppose. But, you know, especially so with the guys, you know, if you grew up in the 80s or in the 90s, uh, like probably many of our listeners, you grew up with Sports Center and uh, on TV and the good version of Sports Center for back in the day and, and Sports Illustrated. Those were kind of mainstays if you were a sports fan. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's really good stuff. So let's get right to it. What? Just a couple of quick kind of thoughts on last weekend. Maybe just in terms of who disappointed, who impressed, or maybe pivot to because of what happened last weekend, we're going to see this in the future. A quick example of what I'm talking about. Last year, when Houston blew a big lead against the Chiefs, they were up whatever it was, 21 nothing or 21-3 or 24-0, whatever it was. When they lost that game, I knew that there was going to be some reshuffling going on in that organization. I thought O'Brien would have got axed, uh, but we saw Hopkins go, and there's some turmoil even this offseason and and changes that are being made. Any game that had that kind of impact last weekend in your mind? Well, I mean, I I think the the immediate one that most people probably want to talk to is, like, what what are the Bears going to do at the quarterback position, right? Like, that's one that I think is on everybody's mind. For me, though, I was watching that Steelers loss, and I'm like, man, they're in a tough situation because they fired their offensive coordinator today. Big Ben is hanging on by a thread. We always saw down the stretch and into the playoffs, like, what what are we going to get out of him moving forward here? 39 years old, like, it might be that time. So now you're a, a good football team that went 12 and four, but you're potentially going to have some some shuffling on the off, um, off at the quarterback position, offensive line with guys like David DeCastro and Alejandro Golden Wave that they're getting old. The defense we need to figure out is Bud Dupree's on the franchise tag, but he was hurt for um, the majority of the season. You know, um, getting injured uh, kind of in the middle of the year. 
So now they're working with like these contracts that are working against them and they're running, they're going to lose James Conner this offseason. There's going to be so much retooling and reshuffling of the Steelers' offensive line, running backs, quarterback maybe, and some defensive pieces that you need to figure out how to make it work financially. And I just feel like there's a, there's an immediate future here talking about just going into the, to the next season that, like, what are the Steelers going to look like offensively? Big Ben coming back. Like, what is the future? And I think that the Steelers are in a position now where if they don't make the correct decisions, and they usually do because they're a well-run organization, but if they don't make the right decisions, they might be in for a slight rebuild or at least a reload for a couple of seasons because they have some solid pieces always, you know, a couple of wide receivers, um, like Deontay Johnson, even though he's inconsistent at times, they have uh, TJ Watt, obviously Joe Hayden, Mike Fitzpatrick, like there's always good football players on that team, but you're really losing a lot of key, key players um, uh, potentially here. And I think that you're going to see a whole lot of new faces with a new offensive system. I think it's, there's a lot of question marks right now in Pittsburgh after that loss to the Browns. Well, and isn't it funny how, um, the, the, just the, like the roller coaster of what the season was like for Pittsburgh and how quickly in the NFL, much more than any other sport, things change from literally just a week or a day to day type thing. You go 11 and 0, then it looks like, and, and, and things are going so well for you. You're getting the right bounce every, every week. And then all of a sudden, you look so bad for a streak. Including a lot of that Indianapolis game where they played good football for about one half, then they come back, they sit their starters against the Browns, and then they get the crap kicked out of them last week. That felt like a like a game that was so much more than just the one game for all the reasons that you laid out, and also what it does for an up and coming Browns team. It gives them the con- like a little bit of confidence beating your older brother, and it looks like you have two teams that feel like they're on totally different. Uh, like wavelengths, you know, one that's totally on the up, on the way up, one that feels like they're not on the way up at the very least, you know, on the way down slightly. And then, you know, in their division, Baltimore is going to be at least good for a while with, uh, with Lamar and some of the pieces they have around. To me, that was such a fascinating just week or so, because a week ago we're thinking, ah, you know, the Browns, they've got no Stefanski COVID issues. They're going to probably get blown out here. And, and the opposite happens. And now it looks like, what the hell, what is the Steelers team going to be next year and moving forward? Absolutely. And I mean, you highlighted it perfectly, because it's not even just the fact of like this Browns team looks like they are on the come up, you know, Kevin Stefanski's done a great job and that team is young. You know, their best players are Nick Chubb, who's like 23 or 24 years old, Miles Garrett, who's around the same age, Baker Mayfield, their best assets, their left tackle, um, Jedrick Wills, like their best assets are all young. It's a young core. And then you add into the fact that not only is it the Browns are the come up, the Baltimore Ravens are always a competitive football team. Always. So and now you you're in a Burrow. division where there's three. And Burrow, Burrow, and Burrow exactly. Yeah, you know. yeah. yeah, so you, now you have a really competitive division. And, I mean, let's not make any – you know, people are going to look at that 48-37 final. Like, if you watch that game, that game was never close. The Browns absolutely outclassed them. Started out the year 11-0 and and finished 1-5 and in their final six. So it is – disaster area right now in Pittsburgh. And I'm just looking forward to seeing what the offense is going to look like more than anything because, again, is Big Ben coming back? Juju Smith's out of the door. James James Conner's probably not going to be back. There's a couple offensive linemen you need to replace. That offense next year is going to look completely different than the good 11-game stretch we saw to start the year. Is Tomlin safe? 
Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I don't, I don't even think the guy's ever had a losing season. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, 12 and 4, I think they're going to give him some time. And it, it might be a transitional period, like maybe next year is a 8 and 8 season because they might be breaking in some new talent type of, type of situation. But I think that he's done enough. You know, I, I, I mean, I could be wrong here, but I don't think he's ever had a, a single single win um, or a, a less than a 10 win season in Pittsburgh. I could be incorrect about that, but he makes the playoffs almost every single year. So I, I don't think that even though there was some unraveling at the end, I, I think that Tomlin's pretty safe. Yeah. He, he's a fantastic coach. I really like Mike Tomlin a lot. We talk about him on the show. He always gets his guys prepared mm-hmm. to play regardless of the situation. They usually show up. Uh, not last weekend, though. Uh, not in the first quarter, at least. But, you know, typically speaking, Mike Tomlin, it's it's kind of the same kind of school of Bill Cowher. You know, the, the teams seem to be very similar over the years. Maybe one was more run-oriented and the other's more pass-oriented, but staples of the team are good defense, ball control, don't turn over the ball, all those things, don't make a lot of penalties, don't commit a lot of penalties, so on and so forth. Uh, but I also have the uh, kind of, famous words of John Madden that ring in the back of my ear, which is that typically speaking, it's a 10-year run for a head coach, regardless of his success or not. 10 years is about kind of the limits of a, of a coach with an organization. Bill Walsh kind of held to that as well. Maybe that was kind of more of an old school mentality because we see, you know, guys like Sean Payton and, you know, believe it or not, Pete Carroll's probably uh, right around that 10 or 11, maybe even 12-year mark and you know, I'm sure there's there's a couple of others as well, but uh, that's that's kind of what what came to mind is you know you got to wonder if uh, it's kind of run its course in in Pittsburgh land. Don't want to spend too much time on that. Got a quick uh, question before we get to our first commercial break, which is the Seattle Seahawks. The first part of the year, they were scoring thirty. I believe it was 34.3 points a game. And then in the last six games, I believe it was, don't quote me, either six or seven games, that dropped tremendously by like eight points per game. Uh, I know mm-hmm. Carson was banged up. Their whole running back core was hide. All those guys were banged up for a while. But anything that you've identified that uh, where you're like, you know what, they're, here's why their offense has hit a wall. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, the running game is definitely at the forefront, and I think the biggest thing about the Seahawks' struggles down the stretch specifically is everybody was like, you know, that moniker, right? Like, let Russ cook, let Russ cook. Well, they got into a position where they weren't a very balanced football team, and then they went through all these running back injuries. And what happens there is when you become a one-dimensional football team and you don't have balance at all, then defenses start to – understand that and defenses start to pin their ears back a little bit because they know that you are a passing football team. You have to be because you, because that's just how you're built now with the running back injuries and the, and one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And it highlighted again, what's been a problem in Seattle for a long time. Their offensive line is not up to par and it's not great. And when you don't have any balance and you become a one dimensional football team, those types of, of inconsistencies and those types of holes in your roster really get, um, really get amplified. And you could tell, Every, I mean, that Rams game, Russell Wilson was taking a beating. He had a bad football game, but that offensive line, whether it was against Aaron Donald, Morgan Fox, Leonard Floyd, whoever it was that they were facing, they just had no answers. They just don't have the guys up front where when you become a one-dimensional football team that you can still 
dominate up front. They just don't have those guys right now. There are holes everywhere on that offensive line. 11 completions for Russell Wilson in that game. Unbelievable. I can't remember the last time he had only had 11 completions. Ryan, do you have a few minutes to stay with us on the other side of the commercial break? Absolutely. Outstanding. Let's do it. Talking to Ryan Roberts from the NFL Draft Bible and Sports Illustrated, right? I guess I could officially say that now. So stay with us. We'll be back with more NFL talk. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show, talking with uh, Ryan Roberts, talking all about NFL playoff weekend. Mike and Gino here. And Mike, just to kind of piggyback your point, you were talking about uh, Russell Wilson's struggles last week. So to show you how dominant the Rams defense was and how bad the Seattle offense was, they had a, a 0.78 expected points allowed per pass. So what does that mean? Just to give you an idea, that was the fifth worst mark for any team in any game this year. Just think about that. Like that was how bad they were only completing 11 total passes, 11 first downs. They got sacked five times, lost the time of possession, 33, 39 to 26, 21. And I guess guys, that's probably the same sort of template that the Rams want to have to have to, to get a win again this weekend. They want to try to have to go after Rogers, hope the defense can step up and that offensively, you just need to make a play or two. Um, it's, it just feels like this, this Packers offense is a little bit of a different animal than the Seattle offense that we saw the last six weeks of the season. Yeah, Gito, I agree with you. I mean, here's the thing. If you want to win as a road dog, the formula typically has been a good ball-controlled running game and a stellar defense. And the Rams have both. And I don't know if I would have said 
both of those things maybe two months ago, maybe even a month ago. The defense has been there. Seems like the running game has just really come together. I, I don't know if it's kind of more, you know, McVeigh and the coaching staff getting together and just saying, you know what, whether it be Goff's thumb or, you know, his inconsistency this year, you know, let's let's kind of move away from the passing game and really focus on the running game because that's the only way that we could really advance through the playoffs. Uh, but their game plan was fantastic, and Cam Akers really found his rhythm about as good of a time as any, right, in the, in the playoffs, and, um, and and their defense is bringing it. And I think if they could bring that same template, like you said, Gino, into this game, it bodes well for cold weather, it bodes well for a road game, and keep in mind, you're not going to have a really rowdy, you know, uh, Lambeau field. I don't even know if they decided to let anybody in or not, but we already know if they do, it's going to be just a handful, a few thousand people. So it's not going to be like that really, really hostile atmosphere. What say you, Ryan? Well, I, I think that the Rams are like, I, I, I'm looking at this six and a half point spread. And I think that the Rams are exactly the team that could give Green Bay a whole lot of problems for a lot of the same reason that you guys are saying. It's, 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 it's probably very like, like this is a very like, no, like a duck type of thing for me to say. But when the Rams are able to run the football, they can beat any football team in the NFL. And when they can't, they can beat, lose to any football team in the NFL, highlighted by their Jets loss, two losses to a really depleted San Francisco 49ers team that is just, you know, putting out like third stringers everywhere on that, on that offensive and defensive line. And, but when the Rams are able to run the football, like Cam Akers did with over 130 yards, and they're able to control the tempo a little bit, then that defense is really highlighted. And how Seattle has been built is, yeah, hey, man, they're running their offense through D.K. Metcalf because that guy has been you know, one of the best receivers in the NFL this year. But they have a guy who is an eraser in Jalen Ramsey now on the back end and have the best football player probably in the NFL regardless of position in Aaron Donald. So the matchup nightmare for the Green Bay Packers, obviously their best offensive football player, you know, outside of Aaron Rodgers, their best skill position player is Devontae Adams. So I imagine that no matter if Devontae Adams is lining up outside, he's lining up in the slot, Jalen Ramsey is going to be the guy that is going to follow him all over the field, and they're going to try to neutralize him. And if they can, then you're working against a lot of Green Bay receivers that are big question marks, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and guys like that that aren't, you know, Alan Lazard. Like, they're not guys that you want to be high-volume players. You want to pick your spots with those types of guys. If you can really eliminate him and you're able to run the football against Green Bay, which has been one of the worst run, run defenses in the league this year, then I think that, uh, that, um, that the Rams are a really, really difficult team to contend with, especially, like you said, without that crowd, that extreme crowd noise in Lambeau Field. I feel like this is a little bit of the perfect storm for the Rams. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm ready to predict this upset, but I think that this is a very tough matchup for the Green Bay Packers and a lot more than that six and a half points would tell. There you go. I like that. That's actually going to be one of the games I'm going to pick this weekend, Gino, is the Rams straight up in an upset. <laughs> Green Bay Packers are going to be going to be cold off of a, of, a, of a bye week and a little bit rusty, and the Rams are going to come in with a lot of momentum, and I think they're going to play some smash-mouth old-school football and uh, come out of that game with a steal. I think probably... You know, there's there's a lot of hype about the Breeze-Brady game, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But maybe the most intriguing game, intriguing matchup overall to me is Baltimore and Buffalo. 
both, you know, obviously came off of uh, impressive wins last weekend, and they both did it in very, very different ways. I think the Ravens' defense really stepped up and maybe played their best game of the season. And anytime you're able to stop a 2,000-yard rusher, and what did he get, 40-something yards? I mean, the Ravens, they didn't even need Lamar to, to, to go off for you know, hundreds of yards passing and hundreds of yards rushing and, and two touchdowns on each side or anything like that. They played a very well-rounded football game, and I think that the Bills got more than they expected probably from the Colts. To me, this is this is the matchup of the weekend, you know. Hands down. Uh, no doubt about it. What's interesting about this game is that the Ravens defense right now is probably the best version of the Ravens defense that we've seen all year long because they're finally healthy, which I don't know if we've ever seen like this combination for the Ravens of Nagakwe, Smith, and Campbell all actually healthy together. So anything you look at, their their defense is okay, but the defense we saw last week and what we may be able to see going forward is probably better than the ones that we that we can use by any metrics, which is a little bit scary for them. That that gives them a little bit more more of a margin of error for someone like Lamar, who, you know, Buffalo's defense is is good. They're better than Tennessee, no doubt about it. But I don't think you think of them as a lockdown defense. So this is a another great opportunity for Baltimore. Um, and I agree with you, Mike. To me, this is hands down the most interesting matchup of the weekend. I could see so many different things happening with these two teams. And they're both, I mean the the Bills have won seven in a row. The Ravens have won six in a row. We're talking about two really hot teams that are playing well right now. What are your thoughts, yeah, are your thoughts about we, this matchup, Ryan? Yeah, I, I was going to say, I think what was really a cool little um, wrinkle to this game, too, is, you know, the Ravens were an expected team. The Bills were expected to take that next step, you know, winning the division for the first time in 20-something years. But looking back on it from a draft perspective for a second, like I'm looking and I'm like, the 2018 quarterback class, if you would have told me at that point that someday we would be looking at the two best quarterbacks in that class being Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, I, I would have called you crazy, to be honest. And these guys have fallen into perfect situation, and it's going to be a really fun game. I think it's going to be a little bit of a shootout, even though, like you said, the Ravens' defense has been playing better. Josh Allen just stresses the defense in so many different ways outside of structure, and Lamar does the same thing a little differently on the other side of it, and Buffalo's defense hasn't been phenomenal this season. So I, I think this is going to be a little bit of a high-scoring game, to be honest, maybe even more than some people are predicting here. And it's just really fun to see that 2018 quarterback class, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, two guys that maybe a lot of evaluators had some question marks on, and they've obviously ascended to two of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Two of the better quarterbacks in the NFL in the last 20 years. Brady and Breeze, right. a lot of conversation about them and, and their age. And <clears throat> there was a pretty funny meme out there. I'm sure you guys probably saw it with a with a, a bearded Tom Brady and kind of a balding Drew Breeze. And they both had a lot of fun with it. And it was actually pretty hilarious. Uh, if, if you haven't seen it, worth checking out. Uh, and, and obviously it was put together by the History Channel because these guys have been uh, part of NFL's history for a really, 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 really long time. Uh, as the History Channel would suggest. This is another one of those matchups, to me, that probably is going to get a little bit more hype because of the quarterbacks than the game is going to produce, in my opinion. Mainly because the Saints really have the Bucks figured out. And 
I, I can't. I, I haven't seen anything, even though they've played you know some pretty decent football. I haven't seen anything from the last few weeks that suggests to me that they'll get the better of the Saints this go around. Mm-hmm. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I, I think that. Uh, I, th- I think that if on paper the Saints are, are a better team on on the roster, right? Like if you just if you show me both lineups, you show me the, the depth pieces to their team, I would I would be remiss to not pick you know the New Orleans Saints to win this football game, especially at New Orleans. It's it's just such a tough call though. What makes it hilarious? Obviously, Drew Brees is not playing exceptional. He's playing okay. He obviously has his limitations now as a passer. He's not able to push the ball as much. And Tom Brady is out playing him as a quarterback right now. So at the end of the day, like most of the time, you're going to take the better quarterback. But I just think that it's, it's a very difficult game to call because I just think that the Saints just, I mean, from top to bottom, they probably have the best roster in the NFL. But, you know, at any given Sunday, it's hard-pressed to, to take who's the better quarterback at the time. So it's, it, this one's a really tough one for me, to be honest. And then the last matchup of the weekend, the Chiefs and the Browns. Not the last chronologically, last for us to talk about. Chiefs and Browns, I, I really don't see the Browns having any legitimate chance of going into Arrowhead and coming out with a victory. Of course, it's the NFL and anything can happen on any given Sunday, of course. But you talked about class earlier, that they outclass the Steelers. I think the Chiefs outclass the Browns by a mile. Um, and that's not to be harsh on the Browns and the Browns fans. And I'm happy that, that they won and were able to kind of break that, you know, 20 year, whatever it is, length uh, drought. Uh, but at the same time, I also look at it and I know a lot of it was in garbage time. But I mean, Beth, Ben Roethlisberger had 47 completed passes, 500 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, if that's the case in a 60 minute game, what's Mahomes going to do? I mean, I, I just don't right. trust the Browns defense to be able to. To, to slow those guys down from Kansas City. Yeah, and even though the the Browns had you know forced some turnovers this past week against the Steelers, you, you just are we betting on there being three to four turnovers in this football game against Patrick Mahomes? Like I, at the end of the day, it's just it's going to be a boring pick, you know. But I I just I just don't see the Browns having the firepower, even though Baker Mayfield's playing well. They have a great running back in Nick Chubb and, and Kareem Hunt. They have some players, but at the end of the day, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, and he is—he has guys like Travis Kelsey and and um, and Tyreek Hill and all these guys that are phenomenal football players. And I just don't—I just don't think that they have the firepower to stay with the Kansas City Chiefs. Gino, you've been on the uh, Browns pretty much all year, man. So credit to you. Do you see it any differently? I think they can cover the spread. I don't know if they're going to be able to uh, to win the game. It's it's up to ten right now. So keep in mind that Kansas City hasn't as good as they they look and as good as we you know we know that they are offensively. They haven't been covering right. They're o seven and one in their last eight games against the spread. They haven't beat a team by double digit points since the Jets, and we're talking early November then. So they're not the type of team that's been blowing everybody out now. Have they just been sort of bored and playing around with everyone because they're a returning Super Bowl champ and what are they, they don't have to beat everybody by 50? Is this going to be a different story when you get you know Andy Reid off of a bye in a couple weeks? Or is it maybe a, a Chiefs team that when they rested some, some starters the last week of the year 
and then they didn't play last week. Maybe they're uh, uh, you know just a step slow or two for a quarter, quarter and a half. Maybe the Browns can run the ball. And, and keep in mind, the Browns are able to score points too. Um, I just com- I agree with both of your assessments that it's going to be so difficult for the Browns to stop the pass. I just I can't envision a way that Kansas City isn't scoring above thirty. So does you know Cleveland's going to have to at least get sort of something like they got last week a bounce something to fall their way whether it be a maybe not a Mahomes turnover but maybe something on special teams you block a kick some something like that you run a punt back anything that it, that we may not be able to project if that happens that's the that's what the template for Cleveland you know we talked about template for other teams that that's what we talked about before the Cleveland game last week when it felt like they had really no chance with all their COVID issues. feels like they don't really have much of a chance this week for different reasons because they're playing a better team. But, you know, Kansas City got down multiple times last year early, and I haven't seen them show the, the same type of power, uh, firepower that they showed last year. So I think the Browns can cover this game. I, I'd still be a little surprised if they won. And I think the, the number that's popping out to me, Gino, is, is that 57 over-under. I, think yeah. if the, I, I do think the Browns are going to keep this a little closer than maybe some people think. I agree mm-hmm. with you there. I do think Kansas City is going to win, but I think at the end of the day, they're just going to have a little too much. But for the Browns to keep this close, the recipe, like you said, obviously sound defense, force of turnovers would be great, but they need to be able to run the ball and they need to be able to slow down the pace. And if they are successful at that, that's 57 just sounds very high to me, the highest of the week that I had in front of me. It almost doesn't make like it if that's that that's how you're handicapping the game too. Then it doesn't fit that handicap, right? Like if you're looking at it, like what makes sense for the Browns is to try to take the possessions away from Kansas City and give them two or three less drives than than they would want. Keep the game close, and if that's the case, mm-hmm. then I'm I'm definitely with you. That just that it feels high. It's been a high scoring year, but that still feels like a really high number for a playoff game. Right, right, yeah. I, I'm I'm definitely there with you. I, I know you're. you're... So at the end of the day, this has been a high, very uh, very high scoring year. Every time somebody asks me about you know college football this year and you know taking over unders, I'm like, take the over in college football this year because there's not been a shred of defense, and <laughs> yeah. it's it's carried o- it's carried over to the NFL to a high degree as well. So I, I definitely agree there. Hey Ryan, we only have a few moments left, and I we haven't even had a chance to talk about you know the the end of the college football season and that dominating national championship game and, and some NFL draft talk. We'll have to have you back on in a short period of time here to be able to talk about all those things, but kind of on the way out the door here, a couple of uh, quick hits, maybe yes or no's, and we can delve into them more later on in the uh, off season. But urban Meyer, sure. is he, yeah. is he more of a Nick Saban or, uh, you know, some of these uh, high-profile college football coaches that come in, like Spurrier, guys like that, and don't see a lot of success in the NFL? Or I guess putting it maybe differently, do you think he's going to be successful in the NFL? Because I haven't seen a lot of those guys make that transition and really do well. I know Cliff Klingsbury is kind of one of those guys that uh, maybe can prove, prove me wrong, but typically they usually get a lot of money and uh, don't get their, the team doesn't get their money's worth. No, I, I agree completely. Outside, outside of Pete Carroll and recent memory, I can't really think of another college coach that made that jump successfully. You know, and, and, and Pete, Pete Carroll, Carroll by the NFL way, was with NFL point. first before SC, right? So right, he, he, was, he, was with, he was with the Jets, right? Yeah. yeah, so he was with the Jets. So that's not even a perfect comparison. I mean, to answer the question as briefly as I can, 
I would say no. I don't, I don't have high expectations for Urban Meyer at all. The last one, for me at least, does mm-hmm. Tua get traded for Deshaun Watson? And if not, does Deshaun Watson get traded elsewhere? Uh, it's such a tough one, man. <laughs> you want me to be brief? That's, such a, that's so many layers. I'm going to say no to Tua, and I'm going to say that Deshaun Watson does not end up get, getting traded this offseason. I, I just think it's going to be tough to unload that much draft capital for him. And, and, and I don't know. It, it just doesn't sit well. I don't think that it's a high possibility. Yeah, hard, really hard to trade the face of the franchise. I mean, you got to find a way to make it work, right? You know, he's he's one of those guys you only get a Deshaun Watson once every 25 years, maybe even longer. Look at the Bears or probably a half dozen other football teams who are still looking for that quarterback. So, yeah, I think they'd be crazy if they do. I don't care what kind of draft capital they get back, but, hey, the Texans uh, – have gone from a Super Bowl contender to nothing quicker than every team but Jacksonville, I think. So they're doing something wrong. <laughs> uh, Ryan, yeah. thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you having you on. Congrats on the, the SI merger or, or you know, partnership. Uh, you guys deserve the best, man. And, and you guys are the best. And I'm glad that this is happening for you guys. I really, I really appreciate that, Mike and Gino. I really appreciate you guys having me on, all the, all the kind wishes and everything. It's, it's always fun to talk ball. So anytime you guys want to have me back on, I really appreciate it. Most definitely. That's have Ryan nice Roberts with the NFL Draft Bible, Sports Illustrated. Does a podcast, does some TV stuff. Check him out. What is your handle, Ryan, for our listeners? Uh, rise, the letter N, draft on Twitter, rise and draft. That's on Twitter. Stay with us, everyone. We'll be back to close out the show and give our final picks. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here, closing segment on the Mike Abadir Show. Uh, big thanks to Ryan. Did a great job, and uh, congrats to them on their big news uh, just a, a really great group of uh, hardworking folks that always help us out here, and we uh, we're very appreciative of uh, them for all the time they give us. No doubt about that, Gino. And uh, I think 
I think we probably all kind of see these games a little bit similarly, but it's always that point spread is equalizer, right? Gino, let's, uh, let's talk about our picks. Yeah. Last week was fun uh, because it was like sort of the, if you're someone who was betting the games, a lot of them looked like were, were in the instance where the favorite won the game, but did not cover the spread. We got that with all three on, uh, on Saturday, then things changed a little bit on Sunday. But this week, we got our two Saturday games. We got our two Sunday games. Saturday game, the early one in the day is the Packers minus six and a half against the Rams over under. And this game is 52, uh, 40, excuse me, 45 and a half uh, on this one. Packers 13 and three straight up, 10 and six against the spread. Rams 11 and six now straight up, 10 and seven against the spread. Supposed to be low 30 degree weather. Aaron Donald, who had a rib injury and came out of the game. He says he's going to play Cooper Cup, who's had a knee issue. He plans to play. Uh, it'll probably be Goff, what it sounds like. We got the battle of the Cal quarterbacks here. If it's Goff versus Aaron Rodgers, we got McVay versus his former offensive coordinator, uh, LaFleur, who are both a uh, Washington assistant. So some fun storylines here in this one. All the way around, Gino. Actually, I mean, when you, when you look at it, each matchup has a storyline and, uh, What's interesting to me is that you have eight remaining teams and five of those teams have quarterbacks who have played in the Super Bowl. That's a pretty high percentage. I mean, just just looking at the quarterbacks, you've got Mahomes, Rodgers, and Allen, who were the three best quarterbacks all year long in the NFL. They were the, they were the one, two, three, and you could have added Deshaun Watson onto them like in the top five for everyone. They were the best all year. Then you've got Breeze and Brady, two of the all-time greats. You've got Lamar and Baker. Lamar um, and Baker, who are actually both starting to play really, really well right now. And then you got uh, Goff and the Rams, who sort of have an injury situation there. But Goff, who's taken a a team to the Super Bowl before. I mean, this is a great group of quarterbacks that we have left in the final eight teams. It is. And you know what's really funny, by the way? You know who are are the, uh, the the lowest draft pick? Well, that always confuses people, right? Are you a low draft pick if you're a fifth rounder, or are you a low draft pick if you're the first player taken in the first round? I'm using lower as in, you know, a high draft pick would be a first rounder, right? And and a low draft pick would be kind of latter on stages of the draft. The funny thing is that uh, the, the three players that weren't first rounders are Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Drew Brees. How about that for you? Just shows you that uh, they'll they'll find you, and, and if you're good enough, you will rise. A lot of time, you need some help Absolutely. sometimes, Absolutely. but but you will rise. If the number is is interesting to me in this one, like if it's got to plus seven, I'm absolutely taking the Rams. And at six and six and a half, I still think the Rams could could keep it close enough. I I, I just have I've had such a hard time the last couple of years ever really getting a great feel for the Packers, but. Um, I, this is going to be a tougher test for the Rams than the Seahawks was, I think, no doubt about it. So I, I think this game is close, though. I lean Rams covering, and and I'll root for the Rams, but I, I think the Packers probably win this game by a field goal. So here, here's kind of how I'm seeing this game from a wagering perspective. First of all, I really like Ryan's breakdown in the last segment just about Jalen Ramsey and the receiver situation, the receiving core for the Green Bay Packers. I think that McVay is going to come in here with a strategy that uh, probably, in in a, in a big way, mirrors uh, their their defensive kind of approach last weekend. Uh, the you know, 
I don't think that Rodgers and Wilson are that dissimilar of players. A lot of people associate Wilson with being able to kind of scramble and be elusive. And, you know, Rodgers doesn't have that kind of top-end speed, but he's also kind of a, a scrambler, can, can get you a first down when he needs to. He's also quite elusive. And uh, I think that the receivers are a lot better in Seattle than they are in Green Bay. I think the big difference is, you know, depending on the, the running back situation in Seattle, if they're healthy over there versus a Green Bay, they've got a couple of backs who are really, really good. But with that said, I think they're going to come in with a very similar formula. And I think if they could find a way just to slow down Devontae Adams a little bit, I think the Rams are going to win this game straight up. And that probably means a lot coming for me because I have not been a Rams backer. But I really believe in kind of hitting your stride at the right time, peaking at the right time. And the Rams are definitely doing that. And uh, I think this is one of the situations where a bye week is kind of detrimental to, to a team when they don't have a lot of injuries or anything like that. I think staying in rhythm is good. So from a wagering perspective, I will money line the Rams to win straight up. And then you were mentioning the six and a half. Does it move to seven? Does it not move to seven? As a backup, take the seven one way or another, meaning if it gets a seven, great. If it doesn't, buy yourself a half point. And that's kind of your, you know, hey, if, if I don't win the money line, then at least I can win, still have a chance with the, that seven-point point spread um, and maybe in increments of a double on the seven, uh, the amount of money that I put on the money line for the Rams. The second game Saturday, Bills-Ravens look the, at the moment. Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite against the Ravens. Over-under in this game is 50. Sort of agree with Ryan. I think the over is interesting. I feel like both of these teams will score. Um, the Ravens' defense is a little bit better, but the Bills is still ambient, and their offenses are both really, really good. And, and I'm hoping they just, Lamar doesn't try to get you know, I, th- I feel like sometimes they want to uh, get a little stubborn and try to force him into to immediately becoming this great pocket passer and making all these accurate passes when, hey, he doesn't really have to be that guy all the time. He has to be able to make throws at the right time and pick up first downs. And if he can do that with his legs like we saw last week, then let him do that with his legs in, in this situation, right? Now we're in the playoffs. You, you don't want to have him doing that in week four in week five and week six of the season and getting hit every week. But now is when you turn him loose. I think Baltimore is going to win this game. I actually picked Baltimore preseason to be uh, the Super Bowl champion, to beat the Cowboys in the Super Bowl. So I, I, at the moment, Baltimore is playing some of their best football that they played all season long. I think this is going to be a really close game. I would have taken whoever was the underdog in this game. I really like both of these teams quite a bit. I'm sort of bummed that they ran into each other. I probably would have picked whoever is in this game to, to at least cover against the Chiefs too And maybe even upset them um, So I, I'll lean with the Ravens And I'm going to lean over This is another game that I will be playing And I will take the Ravens To win an upset I guess it's small upset uh, On the road against Buffalo First of all that line of two and a half for Buffalo Is a little bit sneaky Because you'd think that a team at home That's 13-3 and three and playing as good As the Buffalo Bills are uh, Division winner uh, going up against the uh, the Ravens at uh, eleven and five, and they're 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 on the road. And here's the thing: we talked about the defense earlier in the show. That's one thing. The other thing that I like to see is this: when you've been bounced from the playoffs and have not met expectations, 
year one against the, at that time, I believe they were still San Diego Chargers. And, uh, or maybe not, but either way, they lost to the Chargers. And then in year two for Lamar, uh, he got bounced in the playoffs last year once again, even though they were kind of a juggernaut offensively during the regular season, they were stopped. Here, here you are, year three. It could have gone either way, right? We've seen it happen where guys start off their careers 0-7 in the playoffs. But I really liked how they were able to kind of shake that kind of, you know, can you win a playoff game? And it, it didn't happen long enough for it to be a narrative like some people are saying. But once again, we've seen quarterbacks, it gets in their head sometimes. So he got that win out of the way. Same thing with, with Buffalo, though, with, with Allen. Here's the thing. Singletary, Devin Singletary, the running back for the Buffalo Bills, he can't carry that team offensively from the backfield. And I think that the Zach Moss injury, even though they're not that dissimilar in terms of styles as running backs, I think it's going to be a big loss for them, Gino, because I don't think that Singletary can, can hack it all game. He's not a kind of guy that you, you could give the ball to 25 times. So I think the Ravens just wear them down, Gino, and win this game straight up. We talked a lot about the Chiefs-Browns game. The Chiefs are a 10-point favorite. Over-under in that game is 57. I think the Browns have enough of a chance to keep it close or to backdoor that game, being down 16 and scoring a, lot, a late garbage touchdown and, win, and losing by 9. It's for me to take the Browns plus the 10 in there. Yeah, um, this isn't a game that I'd be playing uh, just for discussion's sake. You know, if I had to lean, I'd probably take the Chiefs minus 10 because I think Andy Reid has learned not to fool around in the playoffs. And what I mean by that is kind of running up the score without being disrespectful. And I think we're going to see that against the Browns if they have an opportunity to. And we just have a minute left, so we're going to get to our final game. Saints minus three against Tampa over under 52. At that number, I like the Saints. I do think Tampa's going to play a lot better. I, I don't think it's going to be as much of a blowout as it was the first no. two games. Um, no. I, I, but I, I do just think the Saints are a better team. And at three, I take the Saints. If it was three and a half or four, I'd go the other way and take Tampa because I think they're that evenly matched. But at three, I think the Saints will win by a, by a field goal or more in here. Absolutely. See, I, I completely agree with you. I took the Saints last week. They were one of my two games. So were the Browns taking uh, the Saints again this week, minus three. They are my Super Bowl pick after all. So I kind of got to roll with them anyways. So, Gino, that's all the time that we have. We kind of zipped through this hour very quickly, as we often seem to do. Um, but, hey, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, hopefully we've given out a couple of nuggets. I think this is going to be an excellent wagering weekend. And most of all, it's going to be a great weekend to watch some NFL football. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next weekend. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.